partner up with uh, Seth Rogen uh, as an example, uh, as well as, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg and, 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 you know, a few bigger celebrities to work within the regulations around uh, endorsing, uh, you know, the product and also sort of, you know, putting their name behind products. Now, that's a very fine line in terms of what Health Canada allows and doesn't allow. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. This is a show all about unlocking the marketing tactics and secrets behind everyday brands. Each week, we'll bring you expert commentary so that you can make better choices when it comes to growing your business. Thank you for spending time with us. Now let the show begin. Hello, everyone. Thank you, and welcome back to the Merge Marketing Podcast. Today's episode features Mr. Deepak Anand, the CEO and Director of Materia, a highly ambitious pharmaceutical company that strives to be a global leader in the cannabis industry. Deepak himself is recognized is a recognized thought leader and brings 15 years of leadership experience in the health, charitable nonprofit, and private sectors in Canada. Within the global cannabis sector, Deepak has worked with senior government officials, politicians, policymakers, health professional organizations, clinical practitioners, educators, investors, patients, as well as producers. Deepak, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, David. I, I just kind of want to start out before we get into um, the topic of today's conversation, which is going to focus primarily around the regulation of the industry. Uh, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about your story and why and how you got into the cannabis industry. Yeah, so I come from uh, typically a pharmaceutical industry and background, and I've done a lot of work on the regulatory side with pharmaceuticals. Uh, When Health Canada, gosh, going back almost seven years now, was setting up a cannabis uh, program in Canada, uh, they had sort of, you know, reached out and, you know, was, were wondering if, uh, you know, there'd be many stakeholders around. And so at the time, I set up an industry association. And the next thing I know, I was just flooded with patients and doctors and producers, uh, you know, wanting to do more, wanting to contribute more, wanting to learn more. Uh, and that's basically how I got into it. And I just saw there was so much of an interest and need and value into what was happening with cannabis that uh, it made sense to jump into it, both be then. Was it something that, you know, seven years ago, I mean, that is, it's such a quick time frame for something to evolve so quickly. Seven years ago, when you got into the industry, what was so enticing about it? You know, is it, was it more of a hobby? Did you see a huge opportunity, huge ceiling at the time? What exactly was it that inspired you to get into it? For me, uh, it was, uh, it was predominantly just the need that patients were having for medical cannabis. Just to give you some background, at the time, Canada had only legalized cannabis for medical purposes, so there was no recreational program. It wasn't even, quite frankly, on the horizon. So quite frankly, it was, it was more from a, a patient perspective. And yes, in hindsight, you're right, seven years goes by very quickly, but we've gone in seven years from pretty much effective prohibition to extent progression. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got into it. You were cutting in and out a little bit there, Deepak. So it sounds like, you know, um, it, it wasn't so much uh, a passion you had for, for a long time and something you really wanted to get into, but maybe you kind of fell into it through the pharmaceutical uh, industry that you were working in uh, and you saw a need because uh, really at the time it was only for medical purpose purposes. And, um, and then when obviously Canada opened it up to recreational use, uh, there was a greater opportunity there. Yes, absolutely. 
Awesome. Perfect. Well, uh, I mean, it's definitely fair to say that the the industry as a whole is is very, very complex. As Jason and I mentioned earlier, uh, we're not experts, um, which is why we brought you on. And um, there's a lot of different ways that we could take this interview. But as I mentioned earlier, we're really going to try and focus focus on the regulation side of the industry because um, that's for the most part your, your expertise. Um, so this is going to be a really great episode for those that are potentially thinking about getting in the industry because Deepak has a ton of knowledge that he is going to share. So I'll, I'll start it off with um, maybe just an overview, uh, Deepak, of, of uh, the state of the union of the cannabis industry in Canada. So what, what are your thoughts on, on where we're at right now in Canada? Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, apologies. I don't know if this is any better, but uh, what I was saying previously was quite phenomenal to see cannabis having gone from a prohibited substance to essentially really an essential service in a COVID environment. Uh, as to where the cannabis industry is today, I mean, look, uh, on the one side, we've seen a number of growers come online. Health Canada's got over 300 licenses in Canada for people to cultivate cannabis. Um, on the other side, depending on the province that you're in, uh, you know, there are clearly a number of stores. So Alberta, as an example, has done a fantastic job with over 450 stores in the first year of legalization. Ontario and BC, as examples, are, are ones where more stores were needed from the outset, and they're certainly ramping it up. Um, on the flip side, if you look at it from a cost per gram perspective, We've gone down significantly to compared to where we were, where roughly is in an average of about $5 a gram, which is significantly cheaper than even where the illicit or the silver market, as most people call it, uh, were. So uh, prices are going down. People are starting to access cannabis more now, both for medical and recreational purposes. The system's far from perfect, right? There's still a very much that needs to happen on the regulatory side, as well as on uh, just the store rollout side. Uh, most people typically, you know, fail to understand that the way that we work in Canada is the federal government looks after cultivation and things that are actually grown and produced. And then the provinces decide what happens on distribution. Uh, and I think what we're seeing in, in the first few years of legalization is some provinces have got it right and some have got it not so right. What are some provinces that are or have not been dealing it with the right way? What are some examples of that and some repercussions of it? Yeah, look, so BC and Ontario both, I would say, are classic examples of not getting it right. I live in BC and I'm based here. Uh, and, you know, by the way, nothing really changed in October of, of 2018 when we legalized cannabis. Uh, you know, it was nothing different in BC. You know, you were still able to access cannabis very freely. Uh, but if you look at it from a number of stores perspective and an access perspective, there's still a number of, of uh, densely populated areas that don't have uh, retail cannabis stores. Uh, and whether that be BC or Ontario, you know, it, it's both the same example. Now, Ontario has, first of all, seen a, a shift in government. Uh, the government that was in charge when legalization occurred was the Kathleen Wynne government, and they had taken a certain approach towards privatization. And the Ford government then obviously got, got elected just in the midst of legalization and decided to change course. And I think that put Ontario back quite a bit in terms of the, the retail store rollout. I think what they've seen now is a clear need to have more retail stores, and Ontario is certainly well down the path to have an expanded number of stores. Uh, but really, that, that setback has kind of affected uh, the industry uh, kind of more broadly, uh, as well as uh, not allowed the penetration to occur as deeply as it perhaps should have or could have. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you mentioned um, you live in Canada, you live out in BC. So you obviously have quite a bit of, of knowledge of the, the Canadian cannabis industry and context, but your company specifically, Materia, uh, focuses exclusively on the European market. So why is that? Yeah, so I mean, we, we're basically a pharmaceutical focused business. Uh, we saw a huge need in Europe for regulated pharmaceutical medical cannabis products. And, uh, and the landscape was fairly barren in terms of the number of uh, license holders as well as producers on that continent. And I think what we've seen in Canada was a number of lessons learned, mistakes made, uh, and, you know, not wanting to replicate that in Europe, but actually, you know, jump off of that as a platform uh, and move forward. The other thing Europe's done, which Canada has has really not done, is I think even post-legalization, guys, in this country, I think we've let patients down post-legalization because, uh, you know, trying to get cannabis for medical purposes is still extremely challenging. We still tax cannabis at, uh, you know, which, which, is, which is just insane, because in this country, we don't tax any other medicine, uh, yet cannabis continues to be taxed. So I think if you look at it from a pharmaceutical perspective, we haven't seen the penetration that should have occurred and actually could still occur. Uh, you can't go to a pharmacy like a shopper's drug mart and pick up your prescription. You have to have it mailed to you. Whereas in Europe, it's, it's mainstream. It's through pharmacies. They've embraced it full on. Uh, and I just feel like there's, you know, much more of a need from a medical perspective. And that was the rationale uh, to have set up business there. In addition to that, my background is in pharmaceuticals in Europe where I've done distribution. So I understand that landscape and, of course, have a number of connections uh, into, that, uh, into that whole area. Overall, you mentioned the, the the cost per gram is decreasing over the years, right? And and I'm just sitting there trying to think: is that a good thing or or is that a bad thing? Jay, if you look at it from uh, a federal government perspective, one of the one of the reasons that our existing prime minister uh, legalized cannabis was to eliminate the black market. So that was one of the one of the central tenets of legalization, uh, as well as make sure they took uh, you know profits out of the hands of criminals. So if you look at it from a government perspective, it is it's definitely in their interest to drive the price down per gram. I think even from a competitive perspective, uh, you know uh, one of the biggest challenges the industry has faced is quite frankly getting a quality product. We keep hearing about the fact that you know black market cannabis is much better than the legal market. And so, you know, when you drive the price down per gram and you put pressure on companies, you know, they're required to make sure that they're looking at what's happening in the illicit or the black market and and try and compete with that, you know, not just on quality, but also on price. And I think if we are to drive this forward, that's the best interest of everyone involved, uh, including the government. So, so, So I think it makes sense from that perspective. Yeah, and, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the the black market because that's kind of where I wanted to go next. Would you say that um, with legalization in Canada and maybe other parts of the world, it has reduced the need to turn to the black market, or do you think that it's still as strong as it was, if not more so, because of things like price and quality, which you just referenced? Yeah, I think it, it depends on which pockets in different areas. And I think what we're seeing generally, there seems to have been a decrease. No one was expecting the black market to be gone on October 17th of 2018, which they legalized cannabis. So, you know, that was, uh, if anyone was expecting that, that was almost naive of them to do. We still have a black market for alcohol in this country, whether, you know, it's been legalized for a very long time. So I don't think that was really the objective. I think, I think the interest was to 
bring the numbers down. I think as you see more retail store penetration, as you see stores come online, you will start to see uh, dissipating of the black market. And certainly areas that uh, that have a number of retail stores, whether it be the GTA or the Toronto area or uh, you know, Calgary, Edmonton, or Vancouver, uh, where there are a number of stores, you are starting to see that decrease. You're not seeing a decrease, which in my blocking cannabis stores, you're going to basically, you know, ensure the black market disappears. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You're taking it from a storefront operation that you can regulate and tax and actually putting it into back alleys, uh, and you're not addressing the issue as much as you think you are. So I think, that, you know, the governments are starting to come on board with this and realize the need for it. Uh, police departments, and of course, a very timely conversation for all of that now, uh, but they're realizing that, you know, this is something that, you know, they'd like to see in the mainstream uh, versus in, in back alleys. So I think all of that goes to say, you know, it, it, you know, people are smartening up. One of the things that we've been able to do with legalization is actually have a conversation uh, about what we should be doing. Because, you know, before that, everything was taboo. Everything was banned. No police chief wanted to engage in it. No mayor wanted to talk about it. No, uh, you know, provincial leader wanted to talk about it. But now we can have these serious conversations. We can't go in, in, in the entire podcast without talking about what the podcast is essentially about, which is marketing, right? And, and I think it really is in line with exactly what you're talking about right now, Deepak, is, you know, with this social accepting of, of cannabis, um, but still you have it very archaic in the way that it's uh, that, it, that the policies are written on platforms like Facebook and Instagram um, and things like that. So how do you think or how do you see it evolving? Do you see it evolving quickly or, or is it always going to be like this where we're going to have this red tape every time we try to promote cbd or cannabis on social media yeah Jay, it's a it's a quite a timely question actually uh facebook as an example is doing a consultation at the moment to understand how they should look at regulating cbd and i've been uh fortunate enough to be part of that group where they've had conversations with stakeholders uh just kind of figuring out how to regulate it and uh the people at facebook had kind of said you know we're going to take a one-size-fits-all fits all approach and you know, it's federally legal in the illegal in the U.S. And, you know, there's a farm bill that's now legalized. So what if we took the prize on Facebook? And, and that's not going to work, right? I mean, just the way that cannabis legislation and regulations have evolved globally is it's very much to patchwork of regulations. One size does not fit all. You need to have a, a separate set of regulations for each area that you uh, kind of get involved with. Having said that, entities like Snapchat, for example, have realized the opportunity in the business. And what they've been is more proactive and said, all right, we know this is going to be something that is going to spend, people are going to spend a lot of ad dollars towards. How do we make sure we embrace it and set regulations on a country by country, uh, you know, sort of perspective for it? So, they, you know, they've got a, we've got a, a, a Canadian cannabis kind of marketing association working group that actually has a lot of consultations with these, uh, with, with these entities. Uh, but, but basically, I mean, you're going to have to try and get products out in front of as many people as you can. Unfortunately, in Canada, there's very little that you can do from an advertising perspective. There's very little you can see, uh, say and see. Um, and, and, you know, there's not much difference between CBD and THC. So there are other areas like Europe where CBD is everywhere. Uh, and I think that, you know, Facebook and, and some of these other groups are looking very seriously about how they could, uh, you know, sort of penetrate and target that, that area. But it's, it's very, very early days. Uh, but we are seeing interest. And I think in a post-COVID, post-recession environment, you're going to see a lot more of these groups pay very close attention to cannabis because uh, it's going to be a solid uh, revenue generator and income stream for them. And now a word from our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Fresh Crowd. 
Fresh Crowd is a full-service social media agency in Canada that specializes in everything social, from management to community building and advertising. Fresh Crowd can help your business attract a fresh crowd of people. Visit freshcrowd.com to find out more. It was only maybe a year ago when everybody, it seemed like everybody and their brother was hopping on the CBD train, coming out with their own brand and their own product. And obviously they were, they had the frustration with Facebook and those platforms to advertise it. So, you know, in your opinion, what are some of the best avenues right now today to market uh, your, your branded CBD product? Jay, it really depends where you are. I mean, if you're in Canada, as an example, I don't care where you are, there's literally no options. I mean, there's very little you can actually uh, say and do. Uh, if you're in Europe, as an example, and that's, again, one of the reasons why I decided to go to Europe was, you know, we can have an e-commerce website. We can actually go to retailers. Like, we can get into, like, a, a Harrods or a Boots, which is, like, a, a Shopper's Drug Mart or a Nordstrom, and start to carry our products within them, which is which is quite a shift. And, and, you know, again, that was the reason why we decided to go to Europe. But if you're in Canada, uh, you want to work within the regulations. You want to understand what the regulations are, are, are doing and saying. And we've seen some creative things come up, right? We've seen Canopy partner up with uh, Seth Rogen, uh, as an example, uh, as well as, you know, Snoop Dogg and, 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 you know, a few bigger celebrities to work within the regulations around uh, endorsing, uh, you know, the products and also sort of, you know, putting their name behind products. Now, that's a very fine line in terms of what Health Canada allows and doesn't allow. And there are a number of companies that are in the space right now that are, you know, skirting the regulations, let's just say, uh, around what happens. And Health Canada hasn't really come down and enforced a lot of things, but there's a, there's a little bit of wiggle room. And I think the industry is like, like like any industry, kind of figuring out how to work around the regulations and, and do something uh, within it. And I think so far what we've seen is uh, the bigger companies be quite successful uh, in terms of uh, what they've decided to embark on from a, from a marketing and advertising perspective. Offers an, offers an amazing opportunity for any sort of influencers out there right now as, as they have all the leverage. Absolutely. And especially including the U.S. because, you know, we're federally legal in this country. That changes the conversation. So if you're a Martha Stewart or you're a Jay-Z or you're a Beyonce, you know, you can get behind an industry that isn't necessarily going to criminally prosecute you in the U.S. because it's been offside of federal rights. A lot of money coming to Canada because if you're a, you know, you can't list on a U.S. exchange or couldn't list on a U.S. exchange previously, uh, whereas you could in Canada because it was, you know, federally legal. So, uh, you know, and then the other side is, is the whole celebrity side is, you know, you can endorse a brand in Canada because it's not illegal. It's perfectly permitted within the regulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that is really great insights into marketing because I know, um, you know, Jason and I at our agency, we've we've uh, we've hit some roadblocks with Facebook and some of the other um, platforms when uh, when trying to advertise this stuff. And like you said, there's just basically no options. Um, influencer marketing right now is obviously the big one. And and I guess kind of uh, moving into to the final parts of the interview um, from a just an overall business perspective, what would your advice be? to someone that's looking to get into the cannabis business or the cannabis industry. And I know there's a lot of people out there, Jay mentioned earlier, that kind of wanted to jump on the bandwagon and come out with a brand. And um, I think it's probably safe to say that they they were all doing it for, for maybe a lot of the wrong reasons because you know maybe they like to uh to engage in in some cannabis products and thought ah oh, this will be cool i'll get into the business and it'll be easy and i'll get to enjoy my own product but really um you know it's it's probably not like that so what would your advice be 
Yeah, uh, David, that, you know, that's a great question. So I think what we're seeing right now is, uh, and we're seeing this now in the, in the quote-unquote psychedelic space where people seem to be jumping on the bandwagon, and this is very early cannabis, uh, where, you know, people are just getting into it because you could raise money as long as you had a plan on a paper, you know, you could raise a, a, a whole bunch of money and basically start to then figure out what you're actually going to do as a business once you've got that money. That's the wrong way to be looking at things. I don't care what business you're running. You need to actually sit down and understand what's your business plan. Sure, you're going to make some assumptions. There's always going to be assumptions. But still, you know, to a, to a great extent, you need to understand what your monthly burn rate is going to be, you know, how much capital you're going to need to deploy, what's your income, like where is your money actually going to be coming in from, and when is it going to come in? So I think gone are the days where just because you had a license and Health Canada was issuing licenses, you would then apply and that was the mentality of a lot of early stage companies which by the way now we're seeing go bankrupt i think you know 2020 is going to be the year where uh expedited by covid you're going to see a number of bankruptcies come on stream we've already started to see them uh in the canadian cannabis industry and we're not done by any stretch of the imagination and i think all that translates back to not having a plan not having a solid you know sort of business idea that you can execute uh, and overpaying your staff i think that's the other element you know we've seen uh that you know salaries for ceos in the cannabis industry have been absolutely insane for an industry that's not making much money uh and so you've got to be careful when you look at those things as a as a startup uh, and kind of balance all of those different aspects that's great advice i hope uh i hope that really helps some people out there thinking of maybe getting into it because uh it's a fun and exciting industry or so it is perceived but uh jay you got any final thoughts that you want to you want to ask I'm just glad we had uh, Deepak on today's episode to kind of dive deep into this. I know it's a topic that uh, we've had a lot of discussions about with clients and and the barriers and challenges that they face in the industry. And and I think Deepak definitely provided some clarity today. 100%. So Deepak, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us today. Um, For anybody listening that wants to maybe connect with you and find out more about what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, Twitter usually, uh, underscore Deepak Anand. I'm pretty active on Twitter, so that would be the best way to communicate. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And uh, we do like to end our our episodes with uh, the same question for everybody. So uh, our final question of the day is, um, if you could choose one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why to represent your brand? Wow. Uh, Probably uh, Gandhi. Gandhi. Why is that? Well, I just, you know, his whole uh, principles of kind of self-discipline and uh, and ethics and morals have been, uh, you know, fairly uh, uh, sort of astounding in the way that he's gone about uh, approaching things uh, uh, on the Indian side of the subcontinent. I've, you know, firsthand sort of, you know, uh, seen a lot of those uh, kind of things, uh, you know, filter through and, and, and come out. I feel like, you know, in, in a world uh, of today, you need to be uh, having that sort of a mentality. Awesome. Love That's it. great. Yeah, love it. Okay, Deepak, thank you very much again for your time today. We appreciate everything, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So there you go, Deepak Anand talking about cannabis. He's got uh, he's got quite the resume in the cannabis industry. And and um, did he inspire you to start uh, David Scooby's CBD or what? Yeah, he's. You know what? He he may have a little bit. Um, I'm not a big consumer, so if I'm going to get into the industry, it's going to be for uh, probably the right reasons, I would think. Yeah, I, I just know that the market, it just seemed like there was a point in time when the market became very, very saturated. 
yeah. with, you yeah. know, CBD oils and products. And, and as you know, we've, we've had experience working with them ourselves and, and we had to overcome humps and challenges and in, in getting approval and, and, you know, and, and there are certain ways to, to advertise it. You just can't be so blatant and send, you know, send social media traffic to a landing page that sells CBD. You have to yeah. think outside of the box and be more than just a CBD brand, you know, what, you know, you gotta be more of a wellness brand, for example, and pick that target audience. For example, if it's women, 45 to 60 years old, then you build up this entire brand being a media source for, you know, wellness for women, 45 to 60 and CBD. The fact that you have a CBD oil that you want to promote is more of an afterthought. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that I believe is the approach. And like we talked about and like uh, Deepak was mentioning, like, you know, you got your Snoop Dogs and your Seth Rogans who are piggybacking with brands and brands are taking that opportunity to align themselves with these big names because you immediately you immediately got exposure to what? One, two, three million people on Instagram through Snoop Dogg. You know <laughs> what I mean? So yeah. it's just such an opportunity for influencers. I truly believe that if you're an influencer in that space you have a lot of leverage right now absolutely i mean uh, it's probably really the only way to go um the only good way to go and it's funny you know when i asked that last question to deepak about who he would want to have represent his brand i'm surprised he didn't say snoop dog but uh yeah you don't yeah. have the same social pull that uh that assess Rogan or snoop dog does no. not anymore at least if they had social back then they probably would have a lot of pull yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, that's pretty cool that Deepak's actually in conversation with Facebook, or at least in yeah. some way involved in the process of of figuring out how we can advertise this stuff, or or what we can and cannot do. And I think that's the frustrating part is we can't really do anything right now, and a lot of these products don't necessarily even have THC in it. They're drug free, like CBD. It's good for muscle, joint, pain, whatever it might be. So uh, it's too bad because there's a lot of great products out there that, um, you know, it'd be nice to, to help. Yeah, it sucks. It, it, it is pigeonholed, right? And um, and I mean, that, it makes it tough for a platform like like look, comparing Facebook. And it's it's good to hear platforms like Snapchat are being yeah. a little more open to it when they're making individual regulations within certain areas. But, you know, for a platform like Facebook, it does make it easy you know, for them just to put a blanket over everything, you know, you know, an underage 18 is underage, right? 18 is the limit for any sort of content you want to do. You know, if it's sexual content it needs to be 18 plus alcohol content, I believe alcohol content as well is 18 plus you can, I believe so. I, I don't, I don't think they segmented it. So in the U S you can only advertise alcohol to 21 plus. I think you can, yeah. I think you can still do 18 plus, but they just almost have their own governing law of mm -hmm. Facebook that applies to the world. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's really not their business model to go into the Netherlands and be like, well, you know, cannabis is accepted here and it's legal. So we're going to make cannabis advertising. Okay. In the Netherlands. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. it's good to hear that they're, tr they're progressing, but I'd be interested to see where this goes in the next uh, three to five years. Yeah. Same. I, I would think that with everything going on right now, that the, the speed of change that companies like Facebook have been making is impressive. Um, I'm sure this isn't top on their list, but maybe, and who knows, maybe we'll see something happen faster than, uh, than we think. Cool. Awesome. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks a lot for listening in to uh, yet another episode of the Merge Marketing Podcast. Please be sure to rate, subscribe to our podcast. We would love to have you back for future episodes. We'll catch you next time.